You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome to Nowhere to Run. Thanks for downloading the show. If you've got any questions for me about anything that I've said in the past or have any comments or concerns, you can go to my website, Nowhere to Run 1984. Nope, that's my email address. Nowhere to Run 1984 at gmail.com is my email, and the website is Nowhere to Run Radio.com. All right, let's just jump right in. First, I got a few show note type of things going on. The last Future Quake episode, we recorded that Tuesday, the 7th, and so it's on the Revelations Radio Network. Uh, front page right now. You can go to futurequake.com and download that. It's like five, almost six hours long, if I remember correctly. And it's the last episode. They talked a lot about the legacy of Future Quake, and uh, we certainly will miss it on the Revelations Radio Network. But you can always go to the archives. They've got seven years of archives, almost a show a week for uh, a long time, with uh, just, I mean, a wealth of information. You can start at the beginning. And you can, uh, and I encourage you, if you've never heard the early Future Quake stuff, it's really amazing. It was, it's, it's groundbreaking stuff, and uh, as well as their later stuff too. But it's always good to go back in the archives and check out some of the guests that Future Quake has had on. And we talked a lot about that in the final episode. I was in studio for that, so you can hear me uh, briefly as well on the last Future Quake episode at futurequake.com. But we'll miss them a lot. I know that uh, they're going on to bigger and better things, so I'm not uh, not uh, saying goodbye. I'm just uh, seeing it uh, in a different light. I expect uh, Dr. Future to be writing some books and to really get to a whole new audience through that uh, medium. So, uh, well wishes to them at Future Quake. And uh, let's see, it's been a little while since I updated this podcast, and that is has been because of just extreme busy overload the last few weeks it seems like i mean i was just i mean i was so stressed i guess with seeming like i had so much to do that um, i would get headaches and stuff like that i mean i was just really really stressed the last few weeks but things are really coming together now and it's starting to really just coalesce i don't know if that's the right word to use there but that's what is happening i think that sometimes when i feel like there's just so much to do and there's so many things that I have to do. I, I is if I don't write them down and like see them in this big like to do list format, then I I tend to make it bigger than it actually is. Like I just imagine it is an un uh, unclimbable mountain. That uh, but when I put it all together and I take the time to be like, oh okay, well that's not bad. I can do that. I can do these things this day and that that. So that's been part of it. But I I've been in just doing a lot of research for all kinds of projects and stuff like that. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's been a big time of research, both uh, with Africa and all the things that are going on with that and some other projects as well, including um, a new project, maybe called Ancient Aliens Debunked, but that's certainly what it will be functionally, is debunking Ancient Aliens, the uh, History Channel show. The thought process behind that. And I'll be working on this with uh, Samuel Bolton, and he runs the website um, uh, thebabylonianturncoat.com. Uh, he's been doing some great videos. If you get to see him on YouTube, I think his YouTube name is Techno Monk, 
maybe there is some numbers there too. I should have done some research for this, but you can go to his website, thebabyloniannturncoat.com, and see some examples of his videos. But he's a he's a friend. He's actually uh, here locally, and so we've just become great friends. And actually, he's been uh, uh, today. He he's in his final week of training for working on the TV show there at the TV studio here, and so now I've got. Three people here locally that are working on the TV show. Now all we need to do is to figure out what we're going to do with it. <laughs> but uh, we certainly have a lot more options now that we have people that are uh, ready and trained to do all that stuff. So anyway, back to Ancient Aliens. So we were sitting down and thinking about this project, and there's just a lot of things that can come from it. First of all, the Ancient Aliens series in the History Channel is one thing. And... But what it provides is a pop culture thing, which is really popular, that gives us a vehicle to deliver the debunking to the other areas of interest. And let me try to break down what I mean by that. If you type in Ancient Aliens um, into like Google Keyword Tool, you're going to get about, a, I think it's somewhere around, and my numbers might be a little, a little off, like, uh, 400,000 or so monthly visits and it's it's roughly the same number that you get for like David Icke if you typed in David Icke you get about that many monthly uh, global monthly search searches so it's about the same amount of people that are typing in the words ancient aliens as you are getting David Icke compare that to somebody like Michael Tassarian and you'll find there's like 22,000 global monthly searches so it's it's a lot less and um so there's already a market of people that are that are interested in it. And when I speak of market, I don't speak of that in terms of monetary um, stuff. I speak of it in terms of people that would be interested and somewhat uh, intrigued, if not um, angered by a debunking. And that, in my view, is is just as good as them being happy about it. Because if they're angry about it, then they're going to watch it, and that's it's just a, a market of people that we can get to just based on that. But the great thing about the Ancient Aliens thing is it's much, much, much bigger than the History Channel documentary thing or series, television series. <clears throat> but because they've done so many episodes, there are parts of the Ancient Aliens series that have covered all of the major aliens... Uh, topics so i mean there's and there and for each of those topics there's like an entire subgroup or whatever like for instance if you typed in nibiru into the same gl global search engine you're going to get like eight hundred thousand, almost double the the results for either uh you know for for david ike or ancient aliens combined or um you know similar things like that anunnaki is another one you're going to find just a completely separate group just for that. And so what the Ancient Aliens thing does is it gives us the opportunity to sort of package it in uh, an Ancient Aliens debunked package, but able to do sort of segments that can be uploaded independently that may be just focused on the idea of the Anunnaki and can be completely marketed independently of the ancient aliens debunked thing just to the Anunnaki crowd. It can get in the search engines in that way and stuff too. So, so it has just, and I, and I don't know exactly how this is all going to play out in terms of the deception, 
that surrounds the aliens issue and the lies that people tell about it, especially those lies that are about the Bible. I mean, the ancient aliens thing like squeezes that in in every episode, like something about, uh, you know, it's always bad mouth and God or the Bible or, or something. And so there's always an angle there, but, uh, and I don't know where it's all going with the deception, but one thing I am sure of is that it is very, very pushed down our throats in the music, in movies, in television. People are just believing that aliens are somehow taking the place of, or we can become like God in some way, shape, or form. There's a lot of theological belief about aliens that people have that this debunking will not only debunk those ideas, but also uh, show them the nature of the deception, and hopefully, like a lot of the other uh, debunkings and things like that, can lead people to the truth, which is Jesus Christ. And so we hope that's uh, what this can do. Um, the main thing that we're going to try to do is step up our game in terms of the uh, quality. I I've never been one to put together anything with too great of quality in terms of like these great documentaries that you see other filmmakers like Keith Thompson and stuff putting together. They always have a, a look and a feel about them that have their own ability to get out to a much wider audience because they're much, much more well done than a lot of the videos that I do. And so uh, Sam and I hope to really learn a lot about documentary filmmaking and we would like to make this uh, as good as or on the level of um, the best documentaries out there. And to have a story uh, that's being said in it and through it. Uh, and I think Sam is a great uh, great person to have on board for that. So I'm, we're both excited about that. We're in the very early stages of this, which is basically just going through the material. Uh, we're at right now, we're just collecting and documenting the things that have been said. We haven't even shifted to um, to research mode about the things that have been said for the most part right now. So it's a long way off. It's a project that's going to take some time. So I wouldn't expect anything. But I hope, you know, hopefully what we'll do is we'll release it at parts of a time. So we'll work on smaller segments so we can release part one way before we would release any parts after that. And hope, hopefully they'll be um, self-contained units as well as a part of a whole. Anyway, we're—I—I I, I certainly am very excited about this project. I know Sam is too, and—and um, and so that's that. Um, the television show, as I just mentioned, that's kind of involved about uh, that. I hope that we start doing using that same kind of idea about the quality. And right now, we have I think eight, eight episodes up, and they are of a certain type, mostly showcasing the different videos that I've done. Um, with intros and outros, but uh, I do hope to move to a different format with a television show, perhaps going out and doing uh, interviews or uh, using the equipment in the studio that they have to to really produce high-quality uh, stuff, interviewing of people that uh, may be uh, in the field of apologetics or something like that. We're not quite sure how that's all going to work out, but I do know that something good is going to come out of that. So, Okay, briefly, I want to talk about some of the things going on with Africa and the preparations for that. That's been, like, mostly on my mind the last uh, probably month or so. So I've just been spending a lot of time either doing research or preparation or something like that. And I think uh, Proverbs 19.21 is definitely the verse that will probably sum up the trip, which says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, 
but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I've got a lot of plans in my heart, and I, I get the feeling that uh, some of them will basically come to nothing, and some of them are part of the Lord's purpose. So, And I can see a lot of good things happening in terms of the whittling away of the things that are not necessary and the beginning to focus in on the things that really are necessary. And in just every area of the planning, whether it's the stuff with the cell phones or the audio Bibles or the teaching and the stuff with the orphans or the pastor's conference stuff or the film stuff, all of the stuff that I've been thinking about and wondering about are starting to make uh, make more sense in terms of what is important in each of those uh, areas. Because I think when I first started out, I wanted to do everything. If I wanted to do phone apps, I want to do the Bible and concordances and do it in every language and every different thing I could get for them. And I think now I'm starting to realize what I need to focus on with the phones is obviously producing the concordance app. I think that's going to just be huge. And I'm really excited about the people that I'm working with with that. I think it's going to literally change the way that uh, Africa studies the Bible. That's my hopes anyway. Many are the plans of men, right? But uh, but also the Bible itself. They can get a app that can search the Bible. I mean, in I'm working on a translation, or not? I'm not translating it, but working on doing an app of a few different languages that are not yet in that format. And so the Bible and the concordance on apps made for small cell phones, that's like one area that's just like, okay, we're done there. And then to those that have the capability, which won't be very many, but those that have the capability to hold an audio Bible on their phones, and I'll provide, uh, uh, Lord willing, micro SD cards or different ways to get them an audio Bible of their choosing. Right now I think I have six different dialects, uh, African dialects of New Testaments from Faith Comes by Hearing that I can put on them. They're about 500 megabytes each, so I don't really need much more than one megabyte SD cards. And that's, as I said, it's going to be somewhat rare. In Africa, most of the phones are, um, well, I mean, it's it's growing, so I'm, I'm interested to see what I'll get there. So the there is going to be a great number of them that I can get them all of those things. I can get them an audio Bible in the dialect of their choice. I can get them um, a searchable Bible that they can give to other people via Bluetooth. And the same is true with the concordances. So that's exciting. Excited about that aspect of it. The teaching has been um, probably one of the things that's been consuming a lot of my time in a really good way. I've been learning so much about it. I've probably read just on evangelism maybe four or five books and listened to I don't know how many hours of teaching and stuff like that and discipleship about the same. And that's been a big deal. I mean, first of all, I'm not much of a reader in terms of a fast reader. I, I kind of I'm used to listening to stuff, but these particular subjects and all the different things I needed to read. So it's been consuming a lot of my time, but I'm finally done with at least those two areas of research. And now it's just in the production uh, area. I've already written the discipleship uh, first hour and the evangelism first hour. And so I hope to be done with the second hours of both of those pretty soon and then start on leadership as the research on leadership. But I feel like I'm rounding the bend in terms of teaching, and I have learned so much in my own life. Uh, when I started this, I would have, I would have said discipleship and evangelism is one thing, and a lot of the things that I would have taught people about discipleship and evangelism are really Western-based, and 
you know, would not be, be very applicable to p uh, pastors in Africa or to congregations in Africa. But uh, this really gave me an opportunity to to look into what the Bible says about evangelism and what the Bible says about uh, following Christ and discipleship. And man, it's just changed my view and made me a better person for it. And I hope uh, it'll bless the people in Africa as well as be able to be used here in the various formats that I in, in, intend to uh, make those available in. Speaking of that, I think I will record the first discipleship lesson Tomorrow I have it on the schedule to record it. We'll see if that gets done or not. And ultimately those will be made into videos as well. So that has been a very important part of it. Getting together the audios for the the radio uh, transmitters. I'm, I've been kind of backing off on that one. I've actually sent a few emails around trying to figure out if that's legal uh, to do what the equivalent of the FCC. Here it would be legal uh, one one version would be legal. The one that I really want would not would be just illegal here in uh, the U.S. And I don't want it to to do anything illegal. I don't want them to get fined for having an FM transmitter that can transmit, you know, three miles in any direction. So I may need to back off that plan, but I don't know yet uh, for sure. And the other stuff with the orphans. I mean, I have been talking to people that. Uh, talk to orphans and uh you know think of games for orphans that's one thing i feel so much more comfortable talking with pastors than i do with orphans i know that's crazy but i just don't know much about games or things to teach with orphans but i am and i have a uh, schedule to get with somebody that uh, does know those things and hopefully to learn a lot i'm good with kids I, kids and me we get along but uh I, i've never really attempted to teach kids or to think of games to play with kids so for that i will defer to the experts so they can teach me the mysterious way of kids and uh, i can be much better at that so anyway moving on to some of the things that i wanted to talk about the first being something that i talk about all the time and some of you are probably tired of me talking about it but it's something that is really important to me and something that i see all the time every day some aspect of this just breaks my heart, and it is the idea of the two things of conspiracy research and Christianity. You can imagine that a lot of the people that I talk to are, you know, in some variation of both of those groups, whether they're like, you know, hardcore conspiracy people that are really anti Christian, and maybe I'm talking to them because about. You know, maybe they're already conspiracy, but they're wondering about Christianity in some way, whether they're mad or, or happy about it. And then on the other end, I've got uh, maybe conspiracy or Christian people that are just finding out about conspiracy stuff and whether they're mad or happy about that. And then in the middle, there are the people that are, you know, know all about conspiracy stuff, know all about Christian stuff. Or, and then there's lots of gray area in between those three uh, uh, groups. So I talk to mostly, if not completely, people that are some variation of conspiracy Christians. And as such, I have a heart for conspiracy people. It's part of my evangelism. I'm certainly a conspiracy person. I believe a lot of conspiratorial things myself. Um, although over the years, a lot of the things, particularly those with uh, more of the New Age uh, uh, bent I've found to be deceptive or deceptions 
But nevertheless, uh, I still believe a lot of stuff that most of the world would consider conspiratorial. So I have a heart for them. I, um, uh, and I've seen a lot of stuff that makes me really worried for us. And let's just start with the idea that good conspiracy research leads to Jesus Christ. That's the bottom line. Jesus claims to be the truth with a capital T. And if you dig hard enough and honest enough, you will find out that that's where the road ends. If you're a good New World Order researcher, you will come to the knowledge that the world really is run by these people that worship theistically Satan and that he is apparently uh, real in some sense and that these people have extreme animosity towards Christianity and this has been the case all along, then you could start to find out that, hey, you know, the Bible really is completely accurate in a textual criticism, scientific way. The things that people said about it were untrue, which is in itself deceptive, what they would say about it. So you start to find out, okay, this is really the truth. And a good conspiracy researcher realizes that. And what I want you to realize is that a lot of people jump from the line intellectually of uh, non-believing in Christianity to believing in Christianity. And they just consider it like, as I said on Future Quick the other day, a feather in their conspiratorial cap. Just another thing to be right about. Um, they might argue for Jesus' existence or deity even, uh, in the same way that they argue that 9-11 was an inside job or that fluoride is bad for you or that aspartame is an excitotoxin or vaccines are bad. They would argue in the same way. Um, and over time, they may even consider themselves to be Christians. But without any repentance, without and repentance, again, means to change your mind, specifically to change your mind about God, to repent of your dead works and follow Christ. And that entails you leaving behind your life and following Christ with all your heart. It's a, it's, it, it's a changing of your mind. You cannot change your heart. You cannot begin the process of being a new creation, but you can change your mind about God and repenting of your dead works and following Christ. And you can take steps in that direction. Uh, and that is the intangible thing that most people in this uh, world, I don't know about most people, but a good number of people do not do. They just intellectually believe in Christ. And their life does not reflect in any way, shape, or form um, Christianity. There is, you know, the Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. It says, if you have the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23 tells us, is a number of things that begin to develop like a fruit develops trees. There's plenty of parables with Jesus saying, look, if you say you're, uh, a, a, you know, one kind of tree and you produce no fruit, well, he says one thing. If you produce a different kind of fruit, it's another thing. The the picture of that is, I think, important here. If you've, if, if you believe 
you know, that you're a Christian. That means, as Ephesians 1 talks about, that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. The literally indwelling of Almighty God is in you, in your heart, the very center of your being. And you're going to tell me that there's no change. Nothing's happened over the years. You, you, you're you just as much, you know, the same person that you were there. As Spurgeon said, the gospel that does not change my life cannot save my soul. I think that I've kind of beaten that over, uh, beaten that horse pretty good before. So I won't try to to continue there too much. But I will say to those people that may feel like that's them, you know, they're just... They were just researchers that came to figure out that Christ was true, and that's about all it means to them. To you, I want to warn you about the danger that you're in. Because ultimately, the very thing that you've done is just an act of pride. It's just, you know, you don't want to be wrong about something, so you jump in the line of people that are right about something. You don't want to defend something that's wrong. And it's just, in a lot of ways, just a, a reason not to be wrong. And that may not have been your outward motivation, and maybe this particular part doesn't apply to you. But what happens is, down the line, especially in the conspiracy world, if you came from the conspiracy world, there is almost no method of deception that does not use your pride in order to get you, in, you know, sucked into it. And I've talked about this recently. I'll try not to go down too much further with it. But again, this is on my heart because, I mean, I see this in almost every, some aspect of this is in almost every uh, conversation that I have with people on a daily basis is that, um, you know, in the new age, that's how it worked. People told you that, by knowing this, you were the elite special set, and all the dum-dums don't know it, but you do, and anything like that is automatically easy to believe. because It doesn't really matter what they're selling, because as long as you get to be elite, then you kind of got your rooting for it, let's say. You, you don't have to be all that convinced with the evidence as long as the bottom line says that uh, you are super, super smart, super special, and I always knew I was super special. This just confirms it. That attitude and that technique is is in full use and bloom and force in the Christian world, uh, the, the quasi-Christian, the not-quite-false-teaching Christian world. That's where it gets its use. When you... When you jump out of that line and you go into the intellectual Christian line, Satan says, okay, I'm not going to be able to get you with the new age stuff anymore. I'll put on the uh, new conspiracy, uh, put off the conspiracy new age clothes, and I will put on my Christian clothes and I will come to you as a preacher that's, that professes Jesus Christ and uh, claims all these other things that you now believe. And he will use the same tactics of, of appealing to, Oh, did, you know, all these other Christians, they believe so-and-so and such-and-such, but they're wrong about that doctrine. And, you know, 
there's a really small elite remnant group that is very elite, and we believe this particular way, and they'll quote you a few verses out of context, and it's so easy to do because you don't know the Bible yet, because you've never been saved, so you've never been given the thirst and love for the word, so which is, which God gives to his children to protect them from these very same people who, who, who prey on the weak and the young, and and to those people, he is, you know, Satan is just a roaring lion looking to whom he can devour, and you will be devoured if you claim to be a Christian, but you don't really know the Bible at all. And the the Bible that you do know is from some, you know, guy that you consider a great teacher just because he's, he's selling the elite line. You know, one of these guys that are like, oh man, I trust him implicitly because he's so, um, he's, he believes something completely different than everybody else. And so then, then that, that's how cult leaders develop. Have you ever w- wondered why a cult leader, people get involved in a, in a cult leader situation is because they ultimately have to go to that guy for their only source of truth. Well, what do you think about this situation? Because, you know, I know that you're the only one that really has the true lowdown on how to get this. And so the usually the odder the belief or the more elite that they're telling you that they are or you are as a part of this group, the more that you will depend on them for their information. So if you think you know the Bible because you've been listening to Arnold Murray or, uh, you know, one of these guys out there like that, then, you know, you are just a sitting duck. Anyway, it's much bigger than, than those kinds of people. This is, this is a really important thing for you to realize is that Jesus said, if you want to be first, you're going to be last. If you, if you are last, he, he, he opposes the proud. He uh, is opposing you. If you are proud, he exalts the humble. It's ironic that in the humility of saying, look, I know the Bible's true. I know it says to follow Christ. I know following Christ is not spoken of lightly in the Bible. It's spoken of as a a thing that if I really am doing, um, things are going to change. I need to start trying to follow him. It's in that humility of, of dethroning yourself that he gives you all the things that you wanted spiritually speaking i'm not talking prosperity gospel necessarily here i'm just saying that it's in the process of you being humble that you're protected from all those things that prey on your pride and uh, so part of the problem here is just the nature of deception and the intensification of that to the conspiracy person who already knows that things aren't quite right with the world so what usually happens if they're sort of winged by this idea of, okay, Christianity is true, they then start doing searches and are, are led to people. They try to find somebody that knows about Christianity and about conspiracy stuff. And, man, that is just a big, difficult thing to navigate. Because, first of all, the Seventh-day Adventists are waiting there to pounce on you, for one. Uh, Walter Vaith types and stuff like that. You'll find them immediately uh, if you're looking for, because I mean, so much of what they believe is based on, you know, conspiracy stuff. Some of it's complete nonsense, by the way. You know, for instance, one thing, little side shoot on the on the SDA. Sorry to pick on you guys, but um, you know, you'll you'll hear Walter Vaith, and you'll never hear anybody talk about Ellen G. White. You never know that what they're arguing is not based on the Bible, but rather based on the most prolific woman writer in history. A woman named Ellen G. White had several visions 
with angels, wrote them all down, and now people sell it to you and never tell you where it comes from until you get on the inside, and that's when they'll start referring to her as the spirit of prophecy. And a Seventh-day Adventist would vehemently disagree with me that I would say, well, you hold her writings higher than the Bible. But they would say, no, 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 we hold the Bible higher than her, but yet you call her um, the spirit of prophecy, and you say that she is divine a divine commentator on the Bible. So, for instance, if I look at a passage in Daniel that I think is that her interpretation of is clearly wrong, refuted by uh, a lot of different cross-references in Scripture, so, well, that can't mean that in Daniel, because look at over here in Matthew 24, or look at here in Revelation, or look at another place in Daniel. There's no way that that's the correct interpretation of this passage, which is a complete allegorical interpretation and all these other things that conflict with it. But yet, they have to take that interpretation because she was divinely inspired to make that interpretation. So, while you vehemently disagree that you hold her higher than the Bible, you absolutely must hold her higher than the Bible in terms of her interpretations of passages in Scripture. But anyway, I want to talk, for instance, about the Sunday Law as a good example of this. Um, you know, in the Seventh-day Adventists teach that in the future, the Pope is going to make a national Sunday Law in which everybody is going to be forced to uh, go to church on Sunday, thereby, as they say, to break the Sabbath. And that's going to be just awful. And the... The idea there is completely based on erroneous thinking, but these but these guys have to defend it as if it's not contradictory, if it makes sense, because if, if they're wrong about this, then, then Ellen G. White is wrong and she is a false prophetess, among other things. But you could read all about that online if you want to learn more about her false prophecies and stuff. She certainly had a lot of opportunities, most of which are not available to the Seventh-day Adventist public and are locked, held under lock and key. Nevertheless, the point I'm trying to make with this is if, let's say, the, uh, let's say the Pope did want to make everybody in the world break the Sabbath. Okay, that's, he was going to make everybody break the Sabbath. They're implementing this idea to make everybody break the Sabbath. You could not accomplish that by forcing everybody to go to church on Sunday. Nor could you accomplish that by getting everybody to go to church on Tuesday evening or Wednesday morning. You could force everybody to go to church on Thursday mid-afternoon or Sunday morning, and you could never force anybody to break the Sabbath by that. <laughs> when you go to church, has nothing to do with your Sabbath keeping. If I'm reading the Sabbath right in all the places that it mentions it, and the reason why it tells people to remember it in the first place was to commemorate what? Rest from works. To keep the Sabbath, one must not work on Saturday. Therefore, if you were being forced by the Pope or anybody else to break the Sabbath, he must force everyone to work on Saturday. The only way to do that, I, I can imagine, is forced labor camp. Surely there's going to be enough lazy people around laying down and being like, you're going to have to drag me to that labor camp because I ain't working on Saturday. And that's the that's the vision that would should happen if if indeed the the Pope is going to make everybody break the Sabbath, thereby making Seventh-day Adventist prophecy uh, correct. I kind of went on a tangent there, but the point I'm trying to make ultimately is that um, when you go looking for conspiracy Christianity, you're going to get conspiracy because that's what you want. Um, you didn't stop becoming a desirer of elite knowledge or secret knowledge just because you found out that Christ was true and that the Bible was true. If you're not saved, 
then nothing has changed except for a mental uh, note. And so you will have a lust to go find more things in which you can become elite. And that path, Satan is laughing the entire way because he knows that eventually he can get you to deny the very central aspects of uh, Christianity. So even if, and, and like like it says in the parable of the soils, some, uh, although received the word with uh, gladness, Satan immediately came and sowed uh, uh, tares and choked them and, and took the, and stole it away from them. So though you may have received it with gladness, Satan immediately shows up and takes it away from you. That's what, unfortunately happens to a lot of us and i can tell you this is a real thing say i mean satan will find some way shape or form whatever you're into to counter uh your intellectual decision uh, of 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 christ uh being true he will send mormons to your door jehovah's witnesses he will find some teacher that agrees with you on a certain point or whatever, and he will find a way to get them to you. You will be, one way or another, a slave to him and ultimately reject the only thing that you need, the substitutionary sacrifice of Christ and a repentance of your sins and a beginning to follow him, followed by a change in your life that is noticeable, that is full of joy and that is not available in any of these other things. To repent of your dead works, you can't do this on your own by following the right laws. If Christ died in vain, if if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. Um, so I guess that's one group that I would warn. Um, to those of you that have been Christians your whole life and you know what it's like to... Be saved. You know what I'm talking about when I talk of regeneration. You have witnessed your life change from uh, from one you know extreme or, or another. Or maybe you've been saved your whole life, and, and maybe that that part doesn't apply to you. I feel for you out there too. But there's still a level of repentance that that you know that has happened at a point in your life when you've decided, okay, I'm going to really follow Christ. And you, to you, uh, the church out there. I would say it is good for us to be wise as serpents and to know about this stuff. And I and I would not uh, say that it's not important for you to l- go find out all there is to know about it or whatever. But I certainly would not have accepted somebody telling me not to go look it up because I needed to know what the world was really like. But at the same time, we have to realize that I, I just want to encourage you to get get filled up on it quickly. Don't waste too much time in the in exploring the deceptions of Satan because he it really is deceptive. I can tell you after learning so much about demonic stuff and how it really works, I feel like I have a pretty good demonology. I I I understand how uh, I mean any occult stuff that I, you know, look into or hear about in conversations I talk to people that are in, you know, high levels of the occult and stuff like that or were formerly. None of that stuff is interesting anymore once you know what this is about which you can get from the bible it's it's like so what how are people intrigued by these beautiful symbols and these 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 rituals of the illuminati and who cares they're just deceived they're totally deceived you know they think in these rituals they're doing some grand thing or whatever it's just dumb 
if you knew what was really behind it, even them themselves are just so dumb. And it's just not worth you spending your life with that stuff. Um, I can tell you that if you begin to say, okay, I'm going to follow Christ in my heart. I'm going to start picking up my cross, follow him. I'm going to start trying to figure out what he's like in his word. You're not going to be without uh, a moment of uh, of interesting uh, uh, stuff to learn about. It's inexhaustible. You know, one one chapter of the book of John is worth contemplating on for your life. The more you dig, the richer the ore becomes. So I just want to encourage those people that are Christians to get get done with this quickly and to move on to what you this is all about. This is going to get to a level, you know, to to everybody, conspiracy Christians or Christian conspiracy people. This is get, going to get to a level where the only thing that is going to benefit you is the time that you spent learning and following the Lord. That's going to be your only strength when what is coming is coming. To the level in which you have advanced as a disciple of Christ will be your only uh, method of protecting your self and family and uh, being fruitful in this time that's coming. You know, if you have to start following Christ the day that everything goes uh, bad, you know, you have a long way to go in a really rough situation. Now, the Lord is good and he meets us where we're at, but don't wait. Don't wait to to put down what is worthless and to pick up what is without without a price. And follow hard after him. And I think that either one of you, whether you are convicted that, uh, hey, maybe I am just the one that uh, shows no fruit in my life and and uh, maybe I did just intellectually come to know that he's true. Well, that's good. You, you believe the first part of this. You, you need to believe the gospel. You probably genuinely believe what you know about the gospel is true. Well, now do the other part. Repent and believe the gospel. Change your mind about God. Change your mind about God and follow Christ. Change your mind about your dead works and understand the gospel so you can understand what that means. Um, spend some time just learning about the gospel uh, and following Christ. I, I'm going to put out, as I mentioned, the discipleship um, uh, series that I did for, for part one of the of the talk that I'll be doing in Kenya. And I'll put that out probably later on this week. So I encourage you to check back to know where to run to listen to that. Yes, it will be sort of made for pastors in Africa, but in a lot of ways it's really made for you too. So check that out. All right, with the time remaining, I was going to do something completely different. I was going to talk about um, the apostasy in the Bible and all kinds of prophecy stuff, but I think I'm just going to hold off on that and I'm going to talk about some projects that I won't, I probably won't be doing, but I think could really have a big impact on the internet and could bear a lot of fruit. And uh, the only reason I'm not doing them is because of time constraints and I just don't see any way in the foreseeable future to get done with any of these projects. So, and I'd love to help anybody that wants to work on any of the projects I'm about to name or uh, any others. I want to help in any way I can. I really would like to just be able to do this all the time, to work with 
um, people that have the same kind of heart that I do that want to um, just just help in this way with uh, false ideas that are being promoted and stuff. So one one of them I mentioned recently, which was about hell. I'd actually like to see in the podcast that I mentioned recently, I talked about the, you know, what the doctrine of the Bible about hell is, is actually kind of complicated and that fuels a lot of what uh, people um, say about hell that's false teaching. They're preying on the fact that most people don't know you know, about hell, that it's, that actually nobody's in hell yet and nobody's in heaven yet. Technically they're, um, in varying places in what's known in the old Testament as Sheol or Hades. And, um, none of that will happen until a later time and all the stuff that I talked about there. I, I would love to see, you know, somebody just talk, just say that and maybe do, do it well. And like some kind of animation thing, kind of like, uh, you know, the Mormon, if you've never seen, if you've ever seen the Mormon animated thing where it explains Mormonism or whatever, you know, some kind of just graphic thing that just explains that irregardless of debunking another aspect of this would be to debunk all, all the ridiculous things that people are saying about hell nowadays, uh, and to do a really good, find the best possible books out there of people using biblical refutations of the, uh, let's say the normal view of hell find the best who who's the best of the best out there do a lot of research on what they're saying and do some research on the other end as well and then just do a really good refutation of that that's what that's what's missing with that i know francis chan put out a book called erasing hell and i don't think it really does a lot of that i think it's kind of it, it was a good idea but i don't think he actually did it what needed to be done which was a point by point theological refutation of the biblical stuff and and talk about it in a good way and do it really well so it can that something like that i'm telling you that could be really really fruitful if that was done right um another thing is the evil bible stuff you know god is a moral monster and he commits genocide and all these different things and you know rape and slavery and all these different things now you could do those individually as smaller videos but they would need to be Again, really intelligent. They need to be dealing with the verses. You could do a lot of research with apologet. I mean, there's hardly an apologetics website out there that doesn't deal with these particular issues. Um, you could package it in a way, particularly targeting some of the main websites out there, that uh, uh, that would probably get at the the, the furthest um, stuff. But the individual things all could uh, be beneficial and that would really change if you did that well and um you know recently William Lane Craig did an interesting talk about the genocide in the bible issue and I, I answered that a little bit differently one day I'm going to try to try to answer that a little uh, maybe I'll just take one of the emails that uh um I use and just put that on the podcast or whatever but um anyways that would be a really good one if somebody did a full-length refutation of like all those God is evil things because I'm telling you Genesis to Revelation God is good and all that stuff plays on ignorance of the context or ignorance of some kind of aspect of it you know they'll say look God condones rape and one of two things are happening either rape happens in the Bible and God doesn't um, you know endorse it obviously it's a capital offense you get stoned to death for raping somebody. They'll say, well, you're, you're forced to marry them. And no, you're not forced to marry them. That's just something they tell people. In fact, 
in one sense, it's true. I mean, the they have the option to force the man to marry and provide for because of the stigma. If she's not a virgin anymore, she can't be uh, taking, you know, there's just a lot of stigma, so nobody would take care of her. So there's certainly an option for that. And if you were forced to marry somebody, you were forced to take care of them in Hebrew culture because it was the only culture like that where there were laws by God saying, look, if you're marrying somebody, you've got to take care of them, you got to provide for them. But the, as another verse verses say, I mean, if you don't, if she doesn't want to get married to you, she doesn't have to. In fact, if there's any other means for her being provided for, uh, that's certainly, you know, those those are the kinds of things that I'm talking about. There's lots of those issues that are mischaracterized, and all you have to do is go through the different verses and say, look, it's not like that, and do it in a, do it in a good way. There's lots of other apologetic stuff like that that could be done. Um, you know, I'd love to see somebody do something on the age of the universe thing from the Gerald Schroeder perspective. The one I have up there is, is okay, but I'd like, I'd like to see that done in a better way. I do think that's the answer to this paradox between the old earth and young earth debates. I think both of those are problematic. Um, I think it's a whole lot like the rapture debates, you know, the, the old earth, uh, has its problems and the young earth has its problems. And I think that the answer is, doesn't offend in any way the hermeneutic of the Bible. In fact, it's more literally true. And I think it's, uh, it's the Gerald Schroeder idea of the age of the universe. You can see that on my YouTube page, Genesis and the Big Bang, Gerald Schroeder, essentially saying that, um, because the universe is expanding and slowing down that, and that time and space are, um, connected that uh, time if matter was going at a faster rate in the, in the beginning the time also was moving at a faster rate and that it's just a matter of calculations at that point it's not equal uh, amounts of time per day in fact it would be definitely not equal per day but everything in the days of creation are accounted for within that model uh, i've still yet to to hear any good refutations of that most of the stuff against that are sort of ad hominem stuff against him or whatever but uh, I really do would like to see somebody do something uh, good with that. Another thing is that I've been wanting to do for sleep, the sleep paralysis stuff and all all the other stuff is talk a little bit about uh, how to you know, more about demonology in terms of how to get free from stuff if you've opened doors or doors have been opened. And I've talked about that on the show. Just sort of give people a one-stop shopping for this is how. It, it, you know, it happened, you know, as far as their ability to mess with you or whatever, and this is how you get it to stop. And it's mostly uh, been covered in different episodes, but not in a video form. That's something that I'd like to see. Various cult uh, refutations. This is harder to do for somebody that's not going to devote their life to it. Um, most of you will remember, some of you remember that I was going to do a Jehovah's Witness debunking and been working. I think I worked on it for months um, and did more research for that than I think I did for anything in a long time. And it was just too big. I kind of like got overwhelmed. Like if I was going to do that the way I wanted it to be done, it would have taken my whole life because there's just so much to talk about and there's so much to... um it's just a you know people that do that for a ministry are great that's what it but that's what it requires you need to be a jehovah's witness ministry you need to be a mormon ministry for a lot of the cults the heavy cults that have been around for a long time and have had a lot of time to get their story straight or whatever 
you need to you need to you need to devote some time to it or, or Islam or whatever you know you you know you can't be like a part time um, Islam apologist and do it really really good you've got to devote a lot of time because something like that you know you've got you can't just talk about the deity of Christ because then they've got their standard answers and then you've got your standard answers to those answers and they've got their standard replies to those answers so it's like three or four layers deep with a cult that's been around for a long time and it just takes it takes a heart for the people to do that so i'd love to see more of that stuff done um i'd love to see more compassionate ministries for homosexuals uh people that are reaching out on youtube to people letting them know that there's hope and um more videos being done about that kind of thing i'd love to see that i know that that could bear just so much fruit they're certainly out there looking for hope and they're not finding a whole lot of it and uh there's lots of other ideas and stuff but i think you get the picture i think that people uh, should start if you know a lot of this stuff if you've been figuring this stuff out and you've spent a lot of time researching and you know give back it's time to start to find out how to piece some of this stuff together and to express yourself in some kind of way, whether it's in video or podcast or blogs or whatever, and just give it to God. God will use it. If you write a blog post and you spend some time researching one of these questions or something similar that maybe you're dealing with, just one question that you know was t difficult in your life and you do some research on it and you post it on a blog – because of the nature of Google, you just leave that thing up there, somebody will find it. They will need it, and they will find it. And that's just the story of how this works. If you just put it out there, and you do the work of, of, of you know, the hard part of, of getting it to where people can use it and see it, then the, the real hard part of getting somebody there to benefit from it is God's... Uh, God's stuff, and he does that really, really well. Okay, wrapping up here, remember the Ancient Aliens documentary. If you've got any pointers or anything for us, don't hesitate to either let me know or Samuel know over there at The Babylonian Turncoat or Techno Monk on YouTube, um, thebabyloniantuncoat.com. Also, let's see here, the discipleship audio should be up later this week for the Africa, the Africa... Uh, discipleship thing remember about uh being a a christ follower more than a conspiracy knower um remember futurequake.com for the archives of futurequake and check out that last show and remember all the different ideas here for different documentaries or youtube videos or posts on blogs whatever that you can do to begin to fight back of all the deception out there. Uh, we've been spending our time learning for a long time. It's now time to transition. And when you transition into giving back, you'll find that you learn a lot more in the process. Okay, hope this helps. Bye-bye. I've recently been invited to speak to up to 400 pastors at a conference being held in western Kenya in June of 2012. They have invited me to speak on the topics of evangelism, discipleship, and leadership. The conference will be held over the course of three days. Afterward, I will be traveling to other churches in Kenya and Uganda teaching on these same topics, as well as visiting many orphanages along the way. I will actually be in Kenya a little over two months. 
While my primary mission is to teach at these various locations, I also hope to accomplish much more during my stay in Kenya. The first is scripture distribution. In Kenya and Uganda, there are many pastors that I will be speaking to, especially in the more rural areas, that do not yet have a copy of the Bible in their native language. And so a primary goal will be to distribute copies of the scripture in the various dialects to the pastors that I will be teaching. I've also been developing a plan to get a digital Bible into the hands of even more people through the use of Bluetooth file transfer. It's been noted in a recent missions journal that although access to computers for the poor in these areas is minimal and not expected to change much anytime soon, access to older style cell phones is becoming nearly universal and affordable even for the relatively poor. At the conferences and meetings, I will be wirelessly transferring copies of the scripture in Swahili to any pastors that have mobile phones using Bluetooth because Bluetooth does not require an internet connection or a cell signal to transfer data. The idea is that these pastors can then go back to their home congregations and transfer these copies of the scripture to their own people who may for the first time have their own copy of the Word of God in their language. I've also been developing a copy of concordances that can be transferred using the same technology. This is pretty important as there's almost no Bible study tools that I can find available, such as concordances in many African dialects like Swahili. I have high hopes for the impact of this project alone on the Kenyan church and hopefully all of Africa. I also hope to set up at least one low-power FM radio station that can constantly play the scriptures in native dialects or verse-by-verse -verse teaching using a small $100 FM transmitter and a simple MP3 player. If this combo is placed in the second floor of a church, it could easily cover an entire Kenyan town. Many people in Kenya have access to FM radios, and I believe this is a very cost-effective way to get the Bible to people. There are many other projects that I would like to do while in Kenya and Uganda, such as video documentaries, a translation of important videos to local dialects, refutations of local cult teachings, and of course the work with the orphanages. But the primary goal of the two months in Kenya is to equip the church in Kenya with the scripture and the ability to understand the scriptures more perfectly. I pray that you would consider supporting this mission to Africa. Literally anything will help. All donations are fully tax deductible and you will receive a receipt in the mail for your records at the end of the month that you contribute. I will seek to use any donations as wisely as I know how to. The stories of recent missionaries to this area are always similar. They report that the Kenyan church in their great need have had to rely fully on God they fast and pray and seek the Lord with all their heart. And as a result, they have a joy and a pure faith that we in the West can learn a lot from. Their lack now is only in the tools to understand the Bible more fully, to move from milk to solid food, to grow strong in their understanding of the scriptures. And I believe that God has a great plan for the Kenyan church in the future, not just to reach Africa, but to be a part of a great revival. Please join me in this opportunity for bearing fruit. There are links in the description section and on your screen for ways to donate.